Hello, I want to welcome you back to Bible Studies with Russ. This is Season 2, Study Number 8, looking at Joshua Chapter 10. We'll begin by looking at Joshua Chapter 10, verses 1 through 5, where the Bible says, Now it came to pass, when Adani Sedadek, king of Jerusalem, heard how Joshua had taken Ai, and had utterly destroyed it, as he had done to Jericho and its, and its king, so had done to Ai and its king, and how the inhabitants of Gibeon had made peace with Israel, and were among them, that they were feared greatly, because Gibeon was a great city, like one of their royal, royal cities, and because it was greater than Ai, and all its men were mighty. Therefore the Adani Sedek, king of Jerusalem, uh, sent to Hoham, king of Hebron, Perum, king of Jermoth, Jebba, king of Lachish, and Derba, king of Eglon, saying, Come up to me and help me, that we may attack Gibeon, for it has made peace with Joshua and with the children of Israel. Therefore the five kings of the Amorites, the king of Jerusalem, the king of Hebron, the king of Jermoth, the king of Lachish, and the king of Eglon, gathered together, and went up they and all their armies, and camped before Gibeon, and made war against it. Now we see here in verses 1 through 5, not only some names that I obviously do not pronounce all that well, but we find here in verses 1 through 5, that these individuals were, were afraid of Israel. We find there in verse 2, they feared greatly because Gibeon was a great city, like one of the royal cities, and because it was greater than Ai, and all its men were mighty. They had seen that how the inhabitants of Gibeon had made peace with Israel were now among them, which means Israel was just growing not only in power, uh, but uh, in number. Uh, you know, they have defeated numerous people already. If you are familiar with Joshua chapter 10, what you find is just Joshua, with obviously with God being uh, with him, God granting him these victories, that he just went from one city to the next, destroying and, and killing, wiping all of them out and taking the land and moving on to the next one and to the next one. Uh, just wipe them out one after another. And we find here in these first uh, few verses here that uh, they were they were afraid of Israel now. And now we find verse 5, these five kings of the Amorites, the king of Jerusalem, uh, the king of Hebron, the king of Jer- uh, Jarmuth, the king of Lachish, and king uh, of Aglon. They have gathered together, and they went, up and they, they went up, they and all their armies, and camped before Gibeon, and made war against it. And so you have, again, massive war. I mean, chapter 10 is just war and battles, war and battles. Uh, here and uh, here in 10, chapter 10, and we see this is just the beginning of it in verses 1 through 5. They're fearing Israel, and so they all gather together, and they they begin to attack Gibeon there in the latter part of verse 5. In verses 6 through 11 of Joshua 10, the Bible says, And the men of Gibeon sent to Joshua the camp at, at the camp at Gilgal, saying, Do not forsake your servants. Come up to us quickly, save us, and help us. For all the kings of the Amorites who dwell in the mountains have gathered together against us. And so we find that here in verse 6, they send to Joshua for help, uh, and they just say that all the kings of the Amorites have gathered together against us. Uh, all the kings of the Amorites who dwell in the mountains have gathered together against us. Verse 7 says, So Joshua ascended, ascended from Gilgal, he and all the people of war with him, and all the mighty men of valor. And the Lord said to Joshua, Do not fear them, for I have delivered them into your hand. Not a man of them shall stand before you. And this is what allows Joshua to be victorious in any battle, especially chapter 10. is because the Lord is with him. The Lord speaks to him in verse 8 and says, Do not fear them. 
uh, for I have delivered them into your hand. Not a man of them shall stand before you. What he's saying is, you're going to have the victory because I have provided it for you. Go and take it. Uh, basically, basically is the idea there in verse 8. Uh, verse 9 says, Joshua therefore came, up, uh, came upon them suddenly, having marched all night from Gilgal. So the Lord routed them before Israel, killed them with a great slaughter at Gibeon, chased them along the road that goes to Beth, Beth Horon, and struck them down as far of, as far as Heka and Mechada. And so, I'm going to stop there for just a second. So they have pushed them out. They have routed them. We found there in verse uh, 10, the Lord routed them before Israel, which means the Lord has caused this to happen. Uh, and um, in verse 11, um, killed them with a great slaughter at Gibeon. Again, Joshua in the army there. Chased them along the road that goes down uh, to these other cities that are nearby there. That's mentioned in verse 10. And then notice verse 11. And it happened as they fled before Israel and were on the descent of Beth-Horon, that the Lord cast down large hailstones from heaven on them as far as, as Heka, and they died. There were more who, were di- who, who died from the hailstones than the children of Israel killed with the sword. Well, if you, if you think about that for a second, if hailstones fall from the sky, who is causing it here in chapter 10? It's God. Who killed all these individuals more than those that Israel had killed with the sword? God did. God literally, uh, here in verse 10, and we, know he, we know we have seen many times before the Lord fights for us, the Lord fights with us, those types of things. Here you see it play out in a very literal sense. Now, the Lord was with Joshua and the, and the, ar- and, and the army of Israel there, but also the Lord is the one who is raining down hailstones uh, upon them there in verse 11. The Lord cast down large hailstones from heaven on them as far as Heka, and they died. And he killed, verse 11 says, he killed more than they, he killed more with the hailstones and they killed with the sword. Uh, the Lord literally gets involved and starts killing, uh, raining down uh, hailstones from, from the sky, large hailstones. Um, I've seen some big hailstones in my, in, in you know, when I was younger, uh, there was a time I had a, we were, I was coming home from a, from a, from a uh, practice, and I was going to my the person I was riding with. The storm was coming, and so we went to another friend's house. And along the way, he got a little carried away and <laughs> and was driving because it was hailing, um, and he got a little uh, carried away. And we on a dirt road turned and ended up going to the ditch. And so we had to get out and run. And while we were running, hell was falling. And just as we stepped inside, one just barely missed me. But they were huge baseball, maybe a little bit larger, maybe softball size hell. And they actually had, they were actually a little jagged. And I'm thankful I didn't get hit by one of them. Uh, but here, these are large hailstones. You think they're larger than softball? Probably so. I mean, who knows how big they were? They could have been the size of, of cars. Who knows? Uh, but he, you know, they didn't have to die just by one hitting them. He could, they could have just been hit by several of them and died. But um, the point we find here is, not to get too much detail, is the Lord just kills them with these large hailstones from heaven, uh, from the sky, raining them down upon them. So the Lord literally gets involved here in verse 11. Uh, looking at verse 12 and going through verse uh, 17, the Bible says, And Joshua spoke to the Lord in, in the day when the Lord delivered up the Amorites before the children of Israel. And he said in the sight of Israel, Sun, stand still over Gibeon, and moon in the valley of, of Ajalon. So the sun stood still, and the moon stopped, so the people had revenge upon their enemies. Is it not written in the book of Jasher? So the sun stood still in the midst of heaven, and did not hasten to go down for about a whole day. And the Lord 
and there has not been and there has been no day like that before it or after that the Lord heeded the voice of a man, the Lord fought for Israel. And so we find here in verses twelve through fourteen, before we go any further, Joshua speaks to the Lord, uh, does so before all Israel, which means everybody sees it, and the Lord does what? He grants his petition. He says, Lord, can you keep the sun and the moon still when we when we basically when we take our revenge on these people? And the Lord says, Yes. He, his response is, is, is seen in action, and the moon and the sun don't move. The Bible says in verse 13, for about a whole day. Uh, and there was not another day like that before or after, where the, the Lord heeded the voice of a man. For the Lord fought for Israel, verse 14. And so literally the sun does not move, uh, so that why? They can take their revenge upon them, as you found there in verse 13. Now, he mentions the book of Jasher. The book of Jasher, uh, for some, is difficult to understand. The word means the book of the upright. This could have been a book in which a record of trans- transactions were kept. It could have been like a history or a, recorded, uh, or a, or a record commentary that was kept. Um, the book of Jasher, you know, I haven't looked up and tried to find a, quote, copy of it or anything like that. Uh, but obviously there were other books who recorded this, not recorded this event, not just Joshua. That's what I take away from it, that this wasn't just recorded only in the book of Joshua. It was recorded other places as well. Uh, and we find other times, I believe also in, in the Kings and, and maybe perhaps in the Chronicles, or mentions reference, you know, have, are these things not recorded in the book of the Kings, things like that, pointing out that this event was recorded in more than just one place. Uh, verse 15 says, And Joshua returned, and all Israel with him, to the camp at Gilgal. But these five kings had fled and hid themselves in a cave at Mecca, and it was told Joshua, saying, The five kings have been found hidden in a cave at Mecca. Uh, and I don't, I don't know how, that's how you pronounce that. There's a lot of these names that I don't have a good, uh, I'm not very well, uh, very good at uh, pronouncing them. Uh, so, you know, to the best you can. Uh, actually, we go to Blue, Blue Letter blue letter bible you can look up how to pronounce them um but everybody i've heard people pronounce the same name and same city name so many different ways that you know anyway we find here in verse 15 they return and they find these five kings are hiding in in the cave yeah great examples of bravery there right well what happens we find if you continue reading here looking at verse uh verse 18 and following What's Joshua do? This, this to me is kind of comical, because what he does basically is say, you know what, put a stone over, it, guard it, and we'll come to them, come back to them when we're done killing everybody else. Uh, basically, you know, he doesn't stop and kill them. He says, make them wait there, and we're gonna go on and kill and and continue fighting. And you kind of begin to imagine that the sounds that those kings heard right in that cave, only before they were discovered, but then afterwards as well, uh, they were hearing the sounds of battle, the sounds of death, uh, the whole entire time. Uh, they were there. You know, Joshua moved on from city to city, so the sound might have faded, but they were going to come back to them. Verse 18, so Joshua said, roll large stones against the mouth of the cave and set men by it to guard them. Verse 18, uh, and and do not stay there yourselves, but pursue your enemies and attack the, their rear guard. Do not allow them to enter their cities, for the Lord your God has delivered them into your hand. Then it happened on Joshua and the children of Israel made an end of slaying them with a very great slaughter till they had finished, that those who escaped entered fortified cities. And all the people and all the people returned to the camp, to Joshua and Mecca in peace. No one moved his tongue against any of the children of Israel, and which means no one dared speak against them. Uh, no one dares uh, you know, say anything against Israel because one, God was with them, and two, um, any enemy of theirs was clearly going to be defeated. Uh, verse 22 says, 
Then Joshua said, open the mouth of the cave. And so this is prior, uh, but this is before they start going to the other cities. And so I said before they're going to go to other cities, but actually they are But after they kill the kings here. Um, and so they finished killing all these individuals here at Gibeon. And then, then we come back here. Now they're going to deal with the kings. And then following this, they're going to continue to move forward to city to city. Um, so they go back and they open the mouth of the cave. And he says in verse 22, open the mouth of the cave and bring out the, those five kings to me from the cave. And they did so, and brought out those five kings to him from the cave, the king of Jerusalem, the king of Hebron, the king of Jeromoth, the king of Lachish, and the king of Agalon. Uh, looking now at verses 24 through 27 of Joshua 10, So it was, when they brought out the, those kings to Joshua, that Joshua called for all the men of Israel, and said to the captains of the men of war who went with them, Come near, put your feet on the necks of these kings. Now, there are a lot of times in the Bible we see things that I would call a power move, this is one of them. This is a very much a power move. Uh, and it's not Joshua who's gave them the victory. I mean, it's clear that the Lord has done so. Uh, Joshua knew this. Others knew this. But also, continue, continue to read here and notice what else happens. He says, Come near, put your feet on the necks of these kings, verse 24. And they drew near and put their feet on their necks. Then Joshua said, "Do not." Uh, then Joshua said to them, "Do not be afraid, nor be, nor be dismayed. Be strong and of good courage." And notice, for thus the Lord will do to all your enemies against whom you fight. So put your feet on their necks. And he says, "This is what the Lord's going to do to all your enemies. He's going to allow you to put your feet on the necks of all your enemies. It's the Lord who's going to do that." He says in verse twenty-five, "The Lord will do to all your enemies against whom you fight." Verse 26, And afterward Joshua struck them and killed them, that's the kings, and hanged them on five trees. They were hanging on the trees until evening. So it was at the time of the going down the sun that Joshua commanded, they took, commanded, and they took them down from the trees and cast them into the cave where they had been hidden and laid large stones against the cave's mouth, which remain until this day. Tremendous power and reminder of what God's going to do against those enemies of Israel. And now we understand, we have to keep in mind, all these things are conditional. The moment that they departed from God and forgot about Him, all those promises would be put on hold until repentance occurred. And if they rebelled completely, they came to an end. And so all these things, again, are uh, can, are can placed upon the condition of obedience. And if they were obedient, as Joshua says here in verse 25, that they would be able to put their feet on the necks of all their enemies who stood against them. And so the Lord would fight against them. And again, a power move. But whose power is it it's put on display? It's not Joshua's. It's God's. Verse uh, 28 through 32, we look at next, says, On that day Joshua took Mecca and struck it and its kings with the edge of the sword. He utterly destroyed them, all the people who were in it, and let none remain. He also did to the king of Mechadah as he had done to the king of Jericho. Now what you're going to find is, you're going to find this almost this exact wording repeated several times as they move from city to city. Verse 29, Then Joshua passed from Mechadah and all Israel with him to, to Lebna, and they fought against Lebna. And the Lord also delivered, delivered it and its king into the hand of Israel. He struck it and all the people who were in it with the edge of the sword. He let none remain in it. But did so, but did it, but did to it, as its king, uh, but did to its king as he had done to the king of Jericho. Again, he did to this king what he did to the king previous, and we find that repeated. Uh, verse thirty-one: Then Joshua passed from Lebna and all Israel with him to Lachish, 
uh, and they encamped against it and fought against it. And the Lord delivered Lachish into the hand of Israel, who took it on the second day. And as many commentators mean, what they mean by that is, they arrived one day, they fought the next, and that was the day they defeated them. Not the, not the idea that it took two days, because that doesn't seem to fit. They defeat every army. The, the, the same day the battle begins is the same day the battle ends. Uh, and struck it, and all the people who were in it, with the edge of the sword, according to all that he had done to, to Lebna, verse 32. And now, can you remember, why are these people being destroyed? Because they are idolatrous. They are against God. These are not innocent people who have done no wrong. These are wicked people. And one by one, God, using Joshua, and Joshua fully aware that his victories are coming because of God, take city after city after city. Looking now at verse 33 through verse 39, Joshua 10, Then Horam king of Gezer came up to help Lachish, and Joshua struck him and his people until he left none remaining. Verse 33, that's a dumb move, wasn't it? The, 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 then Horam king of Gezer came up to, to help Lachish. What's going to happen? He's going to die too. Wicked people trying to help other wicked people overcome the righteous. In verse 33, he died. Uh, he struck, uh, Joshua struck him and his people, that is Horam's king of Gezer, uh, until in, until he left none remaining, from Lachish Joshua passed up to uh, passed to Eglon, all Israel with him, and they encamped against it and fought against it. Now these cities are not that far apart, uh, so he's literally just going one after another. He's not having to travel a great distance, not that it would matter because the Lord's with him, but he's traveling from one city to the next, just taking them out. One tries to come up help another. What happens? They die too. Uh, verse thirty six. So Joshua went up from Elgon. Uh, and all Israel with him to Hebron, and they fought against it. And they took it and struck with the edge of the sword, its king, all its cities, and all the people who were in it. He left none remaining, according to all that he had done to Eglon, but utterly destroyed it and all the people who were in it. Then Joshua returned, and all Israel with him to Deborah, and they fought against it. And he took it and its king and all its cities, and they struck them with the edge of the sword and utterly destroyed all the people who were in it. He left none remaining, as he had done to Hebron, so he did to Debir and its king, as he had done to, to done also to Lebna and its king. We get here to the end of the chapter. So Joshua conquered all the land, the mountain country, and the south and the lowland, lowland and the wilderness slopes, and all their kings, who left none remaining, but utterly destroyed, destroyed all that breathed, as the Lord God of Israel had commanded. What was Joshua doing? Only what God told him to do. And as he did so, he had victory after victory after victory, which helps us think about today. You know, we, we're not called to go out and to wage actual wars. Our war is one that is spiritual in nature. We, will, we wage a war against sin. And as we remain faithful to God and loyal to him, we will have victories over it as well. Verse 41 says, And Joshua conquered them from Kadesh, Barnea, as far as Gaza, and all the country of Goshen, even as far as Gibeon. All these kings and their land Joshua took one at a time, because the Lord God of Israel fought for Israel. Then Joshua returned, and all Israel with him, to the camp at Gilgal. The Lord brought him victory after victory because of his obedience. And the Lord, again, as Joshua said, was going to be against the enemies of all, all of Israel. None of Israel's enemies would be able to stand. As we saw earlier in the chapter, he made note to those some individuals he hadn't come up and told them to put their feet on the necks of those kings and reminded them that this is what God would do to all their enemies. Again, based upon the fact that they were going to be faithful to God. 
Okay, we're going to stop there today. I do thank you being here with me today on Bible Studies with Russ. This has been Season 2, Study Number 8, Joshua Chapter 10. I hope you have enjoyed this Bible study and hope to see you again next time.